0: Nerves at the Roundtable, Table, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we are celebrating Independence Day with Stranger, Stranger Things, Things
1: 3. Season <laughs> 3. Happy 4th <laughs> of July.
0: Yeah, and it, well, it feels really appropriate. Because I remember, like, I mean, we're all, I mean, I joke about how much younger I am than you all. It's not that much younger. We all remember the 80s and all of the, you know, the the red scare stuff and the on the 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 last you know, decade of the cold war. And it just feels really appropriate to have the Russians beat the bad guys (laughs) (laughs) for a 4th of July show.
1: Yeah. Here we are deep in the era of Reagan and Gorbachev and, uh, you know, middle America just, you know, having the, the evacuation of the towns to the malls. And, uh,
2: and if you think about it, guys last year around this time, we were recording stranger things season one and two review so, you know, to get ready for this season three coming out on last year's July 4th. So it, it it's kind of works so, that we're doing this one now, right? <laughs>
0: yep. Yeah. It wasn't in a timely manner, but we got back to it. Well, but before we get deep into Stranger Things 3, we need to keep it 100. It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. 100. And Dwayne, you have the privilege of going first, bro.
1: All right. Well, I have a very on point, keeping it 100 this week. Uh, We're deep into the 80s, as I mentioned before. I want to talk about an 80s. Puppetry masterpiece: The Dark Crystal. Jim Henson, Lucasfilm's mythology um, of the Gelflings and the Skeksis and the Mystics. Uh, the puppetry here is phenomenal. You have these characters, this lore, it, and it's told almost like this Greek, um, you know, legend of the Dark Crystal. But uh, you, especially when you realize, you know, you have, of course, you know, Henson, Frank Oz and the, the awesome production teams there. And, you know, the Dark Crystal um, Age of Resistance, the prequel to this, is out on Netflix, uh, along with Stranger Things. So check that out while you are down. Um, I know a lot of people are still under quarantine, so the Dark Crystal is my keeping it 100.
0: It's been a long time since I've seen Dark Crystal. So. Mm. Like I said, I've never seen the whole thing. All right, well, I'm up next, and... I get my timer going. I I wanted to. I tell I was tempted to pick uh, Red Dawn for my yeah. <laughs> it felt, felt appropriate. But I'm going with something that sounds similar. Red Rising, uh, the novel by Pierce Brown. Um, it's a fun book. It's a gripping story about the far future, class warfare in a distant universe or not so distant universe. It's actually set on Mars. Um. And the main character is driven by an event early in the book, and you really feel for the guy. And so he goes through a, a lot of stuff, but you understand what's driving him, and you really feel for him, and you want him to, to make it and succeed. Um, and there's, it's like they took a whole bunch of sci-fi tropes and, and just dumped them in a, in a pot and started stirring. There's some Blade Runner in here. There's some Hunger Games. There's some Harry Potter, a Dash of Enders game. Um, there's a lot that goes into this, and it's the first book I think in a five book series. The fifth book came out recently. I, th- I think it's the last one, um, but it's a it's a great sort of gripping intro into a series. It's so a Red Rising by Pierce Brown. That's my Keeping It One Hundred. Same year. So up.
2: okay, so so here we go. So uh, so I'm staying on brand. Typically, uh, I have a new documentary that I watched very recently called Lost Heroes. And this is the comic book history of our neighbors to the north, Canada. So um, Lost Heroes really goes into the history of comic books starting in the Golden Age uh, of, with Canada's own books, with uh, how comics were distributed from the States to Canada. Um, and we're not just talking about Wolverine and Alpha Flight. You know, they actually had heroes. And I know Jamie's going... Canadian heroes. Uh, they actually had an Iron Man long before uh, you know Marvel did, uh, Canada Jack, Johnny Canuck, and probably the one that affected most of us growing up and didn't know it, there was a little animation company called Nelvana that mm. produced droids, Ewoks, Beetlejuice, the Magic School Bus, Inspector Gadget. That company is named after a character called Nelvana of the North Wind who is a Canadian superhero. She was their one of their biggies. Um, so it's really interesting. You do get some interviews from Ty Templeton, Ken Lashley, Greg Pak. You know, all these are Canadian-born comic creators. Uh, I love exploring the history of comics in other countries, so this works really well for me. Uh, it is available on Amazon Prime, so if you're interested, check out Lost Heroes. That is my
0: keeping it 100. All right, all right. well... Uh back to the uh, topic of the week. We're going to dig into Stranger Things 3 now. We're going to begin with our opening thoughts and grades. And normally it's a privilege to get to go first, but I've waffled so much on my grade. That I kind of <laughs> wish I wasn't going first. Um, I'm going to go A. Um, I, I really like this season. I think it's a really strong season. Um, there's not a lot of flaws. It's really enjoyable. It's a lot of fun. I just don't feel like it rises to a plus level. Um, I don't know if it's the stakes. I'm not, I'm not sure what it is. It just, I mean, it's probably the weakest season of the three. But I really like the first two seasons a lot, so that's not. Uh, it's not a big slam on it, and so I. So it's an, it's an A. I'd probably go A plus season one, A for season two as well. I just don't. There's something about it. It Doesn't go all up to A plus, but I still love season three. So. Mm. And Dwayne made a face. So we're going to get into it. <laughs> <All
2: right. laughs> it should get interesting. Well, you know, Jamie, I'm kind of with you. I gave the season an A also. Um, I wanted that A, but I just couldn't feel it going all the way to that level. What a, you know, one of the things I think about is, you know, one of the pitfalls of a show like this is your actors tend to grow up pretty quickly. Uh, and once that cuteness factor wears off, and you've got smelly teens, um, it, it's not as cute anymore. But I do think the Duffer brothers and crew kind of, I guess, rose to the challenge. I think the kids are still really likable. Uh, that wave of 80s nostalgia is still hitting hard. But I think this is a really crucial season. This is a Go. big turn for the dynamic of the group. Mm-hmm. Um and just and that's a real life thing, you know how that changes, and I'll talk more about that as we go along. But but I think this was a crucial season, um, but but it's still a, a, a must watch series for me. So I, I definitely would would keep that A going. I think. Dwayne, what about you? He's kind of got a He's full smug. on smirking now. <laughs> well,
0: well,
2: Jamie, you often say Captain Smug Face. He's got Captain Smirk Face going on there. Yeah.
1: Well, I don't know. You guys must have watched season two because I thought this really stepped up the quality of the show. Season one was great. laid did great groundwork, introduced us, and made us fall in love with these characters. Season two introduced us to even more characters made us fall in love, but I feel like it kind of got lost with the, you know, I know we talked about L in the city. Um, as I was sitting down to watch this thing, I had kind of conflated a, fl- a few things from season two to season three and back and forth and, and brought it a little bit clearer to me on this wash through. But I think that this season, it, it grabbed me in the nostalgia and it kicked me in the feels all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, it really just took and, and just brought, like Sam said, it brought these characters to a different turn. It it put some dynamic in there where they're going different directions as they're aging. And I, I know we've all experienced that with friends. They're, uh, you know, coming into different uh, stages of puberty and relationships at different rates and different times. Mm-hmm. They're figuring out themselves as a person within and without the dynamic of their group. Uh, you know, you have the introduction of the Russians as, as a foil here. You have the 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 bad guy, you know Billy, being even more bad. Uh, you got all of this stuff ramping up. So I'm giving this an A plus. I'm giving this an A plus. All right.
0: So. Wow. All right. Yeah, I, I I don't think you're wrong. I think my my least favorite Stranger Things thing is in season two. It's Ill in the City and like the episode and a half. It's the low point of the entire series. I don't yeah. hate it. But I mean, I still, but I think overall season two is really strong. Um,
1: it was and, a great season, but you know, like you said, you kind of get kind of lost with the L in the city yeah. and some little side, side tracks. but mm. this one, it really stayed on track. It grabbed our characters and it kept us focused really uh, intently in, in Hawkins, Indiana and with our group of people and, you know, introducing the threat to the Russians, was, was a really, I think, a masterful stroke because well, I mean, I of course it's the 80s, everything is, is blamed on.
0: <laughs> well, I'm going to do something that probably few of our listeners will because we're the nerds of the round table, but I'm going to go with the basketball metaphor. <laughs> I'm well, so sports sports? Sports? We'll, we'll talk about this later, <laughs> but uh, in the NBA, they talk about floors and ceilings. Like if a guy is, you know, maybe he doesn't have a very high ceiling. He's not going to be a star. He's not going to be incredibly awesome, but he's got a high floor. Like he's not going to stink. It's going to be a rotation, but he's going to be solid. Okay. Yeah. Um, I feel like season two has a really high ceiling and a low floor. Like <laughs> there's some real bad stuff in season two, but the ceiling is super high. And I feel like season three has a high floor and not as high a ceiling. Like it doesn't rise as high as season two, but it never drops as low as season two. And I think that's why I gave it an A and not an A plus. It just doesn't have the ceiling.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't In know. Either sports now.
0: metaphor. We can move on.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Well, well, I know you're talking about the floors and ceilings. I mean, but you have <laughs> and, and I know we're getting into spoilers here, but you have the the whole end, what is the ending 15 minutes or so of the show is like, you know, give me just a case of Kleenexes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I knew what was coming. It didn't get dusty this time. But I, I'm not going to lie. The first time I watched this, this season, it got dusty at the end.
1: There was one. Yeah, the first time I saw it, I saw it with my daughter. There was active sobbing. <laughs> you know, I mean, there was active sobbing, tears, you know, snot flinging the whole nine yards. This time, you know, it, it still got dusty. Still
2: yeah. This season, you know, Dwayne said he got, you know, kicked in the feels with this season. You know, my, I think my feels are still bruised after rewatching this. It kicked me so hard. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and who doesn't love David Harper? I mean, you know, he's just the lovable, you know, goober of a sheriff. He's he's the tough guy, but you love him.
0: If you don't like David Harper, you're probably a bad person.
1: And if you right, feel literally well, send any emails to, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: at Robert Lightfield, he's used to it. Um, <laughs> 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 let's give out some fans, guys.
2: <laughs>
1: So here we go.
0: Sammy, you get to go first. What what are you a fan of in this season?
2: All right. I think one of the biggest fans I do have of this season is just the writing in general. You know, we've talked about how the cast just continues to grow. And as a writer, you've got to figure out what to do with each of these people to still make them important you know, to make their story important. And, and these writers use a, a very much a, a writing construct that we see in a lot of literature. If you think about Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, you have these diverging stories, and then eventually they come back together. So we've got that format, I think, in season three. You've got that inciting incident with Dustin's return from camp, and then everything splits from there. You know, you've got the Hopper and Joyce storyline, you've got the Mind Flayer, you've got the spy team, and they're all doing something important that eventually comes back together. And I think that's really smartly written. You know, uh, you all talked about with season two, you know, that L in the City, this one doesn't have that one off episode. Every episode is really focused on telling the story, giving us another piece of one of these three storylines and then eventually how they're going to come together and interweave. And, and I think it, that that's just my biggest fan. I love how well written this season was. And that's part of the reason I wanted that A+, but there was just something holding me back. So, I don't <laughs> know.
0: <laughs> that might be my pan. I don't know. We'll see. Well, I think you're exactly right. I think I think they learned their lesson from Hell in the City. Because I think that that diversion where we spent like a whole episode away from Hawkins, away from the rest of the cast. It kind of really put a screeching halt to the momentum of the show, and and so like we're gonna have intended to do that maybe with like uh, uh, like Steve and the crew down and down in the Russian basement or whatever. But, right. I mean, I can see you being tempted to have a whole episode of that, and but they kept weaving in through a couple episodes, you know? Right.
2: Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just laughing <laughs> yeah. about about Steve after they gave him the the. Nope that'll come up
1: later yeah that'll come up a bit later i'm sure but yeah I'm, I'm gonna jump in here next with my fan and you know I, i've kind of already alluded to it with the russians the russians being the you know not really the bad guys but you know the the thing that's happening there in the mall and the mall being the cover for the russians this completely all american you know late 70s mid-80s thing you know just the mall were everybody congregated. I don't know if you guys, you know, remembered or, you know, how much your experience was, but you know, the mall was the mall. Where are you going today? Going to the mall, you know, and it was just a thing. You had the food court, all the different stores, um, the theater and, and, you know, it's just a whole thing, but the Russians being the bad guys, you know, and, and in the red scare, you know, I remember in school, Having the drills, get under the desk. you know, you get under the table part of your desk if you hear the bomb drill go off, uh, you know uh, tuck tuck into a ball, I guess it's easier for cleanup. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You know this whole thing, and not knowing, you know, what the Russians were all about. You know, as as Americans, you know, they were they were always portrayed as so different to this just militaristic super race, of of communists, and you know what what even was communism as a kid. You know, you had no concept, but it was bad, and uh, you know you couldn't you couldn't have the Russians because the Russians were doing something, and, and uh, yeah, it was just so great, just having that little bit of. Memory brought back with the nostalgia of how crazy everybody went over that. Mm-hmm. So I love seeing the Russians back.
0: I, as a kid, one of my favorite movies was Red Dawn, and I was I was kind of thinking Red Dawn's <laughs> movie, and I think it's Dustin that brings it up at one point. I'm like, yeah, it's, uh-huh. so it's perfect.
1: Yeah, yeah. perfect. Yep.
0: Yeah, I agree. We've got a Red Dawn scenario here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, my um, my fan for this week is they threw away their crutch, and it's surprising, and I'm proud of them. Um, every problem, every season, end of every season was L with her hands reached out, screaming at something until it exploded. Um, it was mind power solutions for everything, right. and they ditched that, yeah. um, and and maybe even threw it away for season four. Um, And that makes their jobs as writers and as a show that much harder, as much as people have fallen in love with Elle as a character. um, But it made everybody else's actions matter more. Mm -hmm. Um, And it made the solution harder to accomplish. It it made the stakes even that much higher because when Elle's powers start to go on the fence, it's like, okay, the mind flayer. It's never been bigger, scarier, or closer. (laughs) How are we going to fix this? You know, I was just it was kind of, you know... Uh, brave. Uh, turn not to use a bad metaphor there, um, but I mean it takes it some courage, and it, I just love the way it's it every single. And this is a huge cast; it's every single character involved in resolving the plot, not just yeah. L with her hands out screaming. And I yeah. just, I kind of blown away by that.
1: Yeah, I thought that was really a really awesome thing too, because you know, like you have you know the Superman conundrum, you know the Scarlet Witch conundrum. They can always fix it. We can always just do whatever. Now they don't have that. So like you said Jamie, every character matters that much more. They're all so much more important. So now it's not only getting L to the problem. It's even Lucas in his so fireworks. That She can fix it. even yeah. yeah, even Lucas you know has to even uh, you know even uh, you know Max and and Billy, you know, have to solve this problem with them.
0: Yeah, I, just, I just love even his little like weird fascination with fireworks ends up being like hugely important at the end, you know, because, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but it's all because L's on the fritz, you know, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and made so everyone
0: matter. else. Yeah. Everyone else has to step up
2: in that case. Yeah. You don't yeah. have your uber powerful, you know, person to stand up while everybody else stands behind. Everyone has to step up in this in this season. I think.
1: Yeah. Well, I know Sammy uh, and you, Jamie, alluded to it in your fans, and of course, I went a completely you know boneheaded direction there with the Russians. But you, know, you guys alluded to the writing and how important that was. So even the small things throughout, you know, and I was noticing this time with this washer you know, they they lay a lot of seed that that is brought back that you don't realize maybe a first wash through. All right,
0: guys, <laughs> we've gushed, but we all and we all gave it really really nice grades. Uh but there's a pan section. Let's see if we can find something in the kitchen door. Okay, well I stole his line and he didn't even make a face. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you 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 done well. Um, I was really I get to go first on this fan section, me giving this movie the highest grade of the three of us. Uh, you know, and and probably I, I have a really I really struggled with the with the pen. There's so much great in this, and even the hard things, even the things that make you tear up and not really you know or cringe or whatever, even those are good. And I guess my pen is going to be, what's up with the fertilizer? <laughs> Why is everybody <laughs> eating fertilizer? I know that we don't go into the you know scientific quote unquote uh, parts of the upside down and the physiology there because you know we got a bunch of kids and a science teacher and a and a drunk sheriff you know trying to solve these problems for the most part. but now we get these Russian scientists who have this resources and all these things and they're breaching into the upside down you know we've had the Hawkins lab. In in season one, you know, they're, they're they're reaching into the upside down. You would think they would try to figure out what's going on with this, but these guys eating fertilizer or are these nitrogen-based life forms, what is going on here with the fertilizer? Nancy Drew, I need to know.
0: <laughs> yeah, they dropped the thread on that. They didn't make it as clear as they – I mean, they made it such a big deal as in the setup and then didn't follow yeah. through with making it as clear what was going on. They made yeah. a few little references here and there, but they kind of dropped the thread.
2: Yeah, yeah, they kind of just like, brushed it away with one with one line talking about chemical changes and changing yeah. from one form to another and and I think it was a quick way to kind of push it under the rug and continue on the story. Yeah. So. But
0: it was but it was a big part of the setup. Yeah. It Needed yeah. more than setup. one line. This fertilizer. Yeah, these
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, I would like to see that explored a little bit more. But Jamie, you're
0: next. Uh this was easy for me. Uh, I, I, I mean, it's it's a small thing, but it's it's one that bugs me. So, um, for the first what three episodes, we have a character that I like to call Mike the Jerk. Um, we made Mike super unlikable at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I really didn't like that kid for a while. I'm like, I, this was like a really good character, and suddenly he's a jerk. And I, I'm kind of with the sheriff, like you know, because he makes that makes that one little line, like you know. I, I'm just gonna kill Mike. I'm the chief of police. I can cover it up, you know. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not for that, but I get it.
1: <laughs> yeah, so Mike I, I think was we went too teenager, far. adolescent boy all over the first little bit, but too an
0: extreme. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and he's kind of. I mean, if, if there's like two characters of the focal points, it's always Mike and Ale. And I think we went a little too far making Mike a jerk. It was a little too much. So in the end, he's being super sweet and considerate and polite. I'm like, this ain't the same kid. <laughs> this too fast. He ain't maturing this fast. There's no way. Yeah, we just went a little too far with it.
1: Mike the jerk. Okay. <laughs> Will the wise? Um, Mike the jerk.
0: There we go. I like it. All right, Sammy, you're up next.
2: OK, you know, uh, you know, like you guys said, there it was one of those things that when you're looking for a pan for this because it is so good, that you almost have to nitpick. Um, and I think my biggest thing was probably, I think they leaned into the gore just a bit too much. Um, I mean, I know what they were going for. I get it. The effects were good. It looked great. but uh, I think some of the times it, it was just gross and it was almost stomach churning. Uh, when the people and the rats would explode and just melt and you know that kind of thing, so it's almost like they were really leaning into that teenage gore factor. You know that around that time you start watching a lot of horror movies and they're gross and slasher flicks and all this stuff. And it's almost like they they tried to take a little John Carpenter's thing and pepper in there with with that gore aspect. I think. And like I said, that's probably my biggest pan. Is that was it was really graphic in some place, you know, in terms of gore. So I mean, even to the point, if you notice, they put a warning up on there, you know, language gore smoking. You know, I mean that kind of <laughs> 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 gore was on there. I mean, it I
0: mean it was literally maybe like language gore smoking. Yeah, well, they, they kind of prepared us for that, because they, when they were interviewed before the season came out, they asked them what the influences were they were adding for the season. One of the things they said was Cronenberg.
1: I guess that's one of the neat things about the the way that these seasons are done is they each kind of focus on a different sort of trope. You know, I know season two is kind of the ghostbusters thing. and this one, you know, had the gore, uh, monster element going on. So I think mm-hmm. that's pretty neat, yeah.
0: Although that does that does Stir. bring up the, I mean, they're kind of doing comic book timelines here, yeah. Because like the influences are advancing a year at a time; those kids aren't,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but they're playing like they're they're kind of like slide scaling a little bit. Like, you know, clearly these kids are probably in high school by this point. But like mm-hmm. the influences and the 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 number of the years only going up one year. But like we're advancing like. It's just, I noticed it as I rewatched this time, real hard. Like, yeah, we're doing the Marvel comics, you know, sliding timescale in the background kind of deal. Yeah.
2: And it's really funny when you go back and look at him in the first season. Look at photos of him from the first
0: season and compare it to season three. Will (laughs) looks like a baby. (laughs) Oh, Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's got kind of a baby face. Uh, of of all the boys he's got probably the most of the the baby face thing he looks so just tiny Mm -hmm. in season one yep (laughs) (laughs) alright you wanna give us some awards guys let's do it
1: Graphically Novel three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week listen as the brothers fugit discuss classic and not so classic graphic novels subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice Graphically Novel three brothers who like each other but love comics.
0: All right, uh, best performance, I get to go first. And when I sat down to do these awards, this one surprised me because um, I'm going with Natalie Dyer. Uh, she plays Nancy. And I did not like her in the first season, and I didn't think she did a very good performance in the first season. Um, and so as I was thinking back over the show, I think who had the most heavy lifting to do, who had the most difficult performance, things they had to pull off. I was surprised to keep, I kept turning back to Nancy. I'm like, this, this actress has really grown and developed. And she turned in a great performance this season. And when it was time for her to, to really give us big emotional scenes, I mean, she was great. I mean, really, really delivered. And there was some like, you know, some subtle stuff going on. Um, her face acting, I felt like, had really leveled up on this one. And so I'm going with Natalie Dyer. I think she was re- did a really good performance this season
2: okay you know Jamie I'm right with you I said the same exact thing and I was really surprised you know because I often will focus on that that group of guys you know and in terms of looking at performance um but I really think uh she did an exceptional job in this I loved her story you know the fact that she She's now, she's a little older. She's trying to start developing and becoming, you know, I guess, the, this person of wh- who she's going to be as an adult. And she's coming up against this very misogynistic world and the coworkers and things like that. And she really established herself as a, as a strong woman who is very confident in her abilities. And I just think that story really plays really well in the midst of this kind of fantasy, science fiction-y feel. I think that kind of a real, that real world story comes across with her.
0: And I, and I love the way that she slowly came to grips with like understanding where her mom was coming from. Mm-hmm. But also when when her and, I'm blanking on his name, her boyfriend, Will's brother, I just blanked.
1: Anyway, Charlie Charlie Heaton. I know what is. Yeah, I know. I know
0: the actor's (laughs) name. I can't think of the character's name. Anyway, but they were both like, but they didn't understand each other's positions, like where they were at, and the way she like gave the performance of slowly coming to grips with understanding that his background. Yeah, sure, he may be a dude like the rest of the jerks in the workplace. But because of his impoverished background, he's got a whole different struggle. And I love the way that just the way she portrayed that, coming to grips and understanding, like, yeah, we've got different struggles. And just the way she, you know, came to accept that and the way she related mm-hmm. to him, I thought it was a great subtle performance. I, mean, I, yeah. I was really impressed.
1: Yeah, Jonathan is his name, by the way.
0: That's Jonathan. It. Yes, Jonathan, Jonathan. Byers.
2: Jonathan, I flaked, my Jonathan. bad. Yeah,
1: that's fine. That's fine. I flaked, too. I just had to Google it <laughs> while you were talking. <laughs> <laughs> my Google foo is strong. <laughs> um, well, I, I I agree with you guys, Nancy. You know, she really was kind of an unlikable character in the first season. She was just kind of a snot, and uh, you know, trying to figure out where she came from. And then you know, she began developing. Um, I kind of went a little bit different direction on the performance here. I love, and and this is going to be a duo, a relationship here, <laughs> their, their performance, <laughs> Ellen Max, Ellen Max being teenage girls. You know, uh, that made me smile the whole, you know, Elle is finally, you know, free from, you know, in hiding. She's free from being, you know, a prisoner essentially in the lab. She's getting to be a young lady. She's getting to be a a child. And her, uh, you know, and and Sadie Sink, uh, you know, Millie Bobby Brown and Sadie Sink, their reactions in the mall, running around, you know, picking on the boys, aggravating each other, uh, you know, like having the, you know, introducing her to Wonder Woman, you know, uh, that that was uh, oh, the, their relationship and their performances always, you know, were seemed so natural and so much fun to me. And, and that whole relationship there, I think, was one of the strongest performances in the movie.
0: There's no role Dwayne can't be in. I agree okay, with Dwayne. I did like that,
2: though. Just that interaction between them at the mall. You know, it, and, you know, we talked about how, um, you know, Natalie Dyer's character, you know, in terms of that was kind of growing and changing. It was also, you know, not just Nancy. It was also Elle kind of coming into being who she was. Yeah.
1: So I like that. Thanks, Sammy. <laughs> no problem.
0: <laughs> well, Sammy, our next award is best scene. Uh, yes. I think there's the right answer. Let's see if we're on the same page again. No, no, I, I don't think we will this time. I, I just
2: don't. So my best scene can simply be summed up as the My Little Pony thesis. <laughs> okay.
1: I'm intrigued.
2: I loved the interaction with Dustin and Erica when they were in the duck system. Um, she for two two seasons now, season two, and then this one. She keeps calling them nerds. Be nerds, nerds, you know, this kind of thing. You
1: nerds. And
2: I love that Dustin calls her on it. And I love the way that he explains what a nerd is, because this is something I've said for years. You know, being a nerd is about being intensely passionate about something. Um, it can be sports. It can be video games. It can be movies or books or comics. It can be whatever. So he calls her on it. Oh, you know social studies. You know you know this. You've got a My Little Pony backpack. That's like, you know. We also learned that Destin's a brony, but it's just one of those things. Um <laughs> But it's okay. But I love that scene because I think that really plays into nerd culture, so to speak, and and what it is to be a nerd. Mm-hmm. So the My Little Pony thesis. So.
1: <laughs> Sam, you're not wrong. Uh, you're not wrong, and I love uh, Erica in, in you know the second in this season. And you know, speaking of it being the Fourth of July, you can't spell America without Erica. <laughs>
0: And he
1: just like another quote on. <laughs> so, but, uh,
2: if he
0: I'm didn't,
2: I was going to. <laughs> so, I'm
1: let Jamie uh, save his uh, right answer for last. Um, I'm going to go here, and, and this may be the right answer, but I don't think it's going to be Jamie's right answer. But the entire ending, you know, Hopper's letter, uh, as everybody's going their separate ways, you know, we're talking about it getting dusty. We're talking about, you know, the tears flowing. Um, you know l not having her powers you know you have all the weight there the buyers leaving town and then we have the after credit scene and guys if you didn't clue into that netflix will speed up the credits and show you what need what you need to watch next but they didn't so yeah if you don't go back to the end of the last episode hang out and you'll see some very interesting information happen but the, yeah, the the entire ending scene there uh, with Hopper's letter uh, really wrapped up this season, and really the first you know couple seasons the whole relationship with Hopper there. But hopefully we'll be getting some more. Jamie, what's the right answer?
0: The never ending story. Sing along. That's <laughs> yep. the right
1: answer. <laughs> Turn around. Look at Look what
0: you, you see. see. As soon as Dusty Buns starts singing. I love I, I mean, on the very first viewing, I was unprepared. I didn't know what I was watching for a few seconds. <laughs> but when I watched it this time, the thing that, that really stuck out to me, just jumped off the screen, was the expressions on every other character's face. <laughs> so,
1: that's what makes it seem so worth it, because you, you have all of this tension, everything's about to go down the drain in the next five minutes <laughs> and they have to sing the theme of this movie, you know, for everything to be okay. And everyone's just listening in horror going, <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> and I love that Susie stands her ground to Dustin.
0: Oh, no, no, yeah. dust, I no dusty buns.
2: Now. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm hanging up. laughs>
0: and I, I, I love that Dustin is just like, man, it's quicker to just sing the song than fight with her. Yeah, let's get over it. <laughs> I just, just rip off the band and start singing.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I love that we finally got to see, you know, Susie Poo. You know, this and she was real. That she was yeah. real. And, and, and harder than Phoebe Cates. <laughs>
0: that was a lot of deal, though. A lot of deal, though. <laughs> oh, alright uh, go ahead yeah. our, and, our do, and
2: do notice before we go though they did sneak in Phoebe Cates as a stand
0: up <laughs> 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 yes yep. I yeah, Steve was holding her awkwardly at the end there yes um, so our next award is best main character uh, we're switching things up a little bit for this season uh, for this episode so Dwayne who's your best main character
1: well, there are so many, and I even wrestled with pairing up a couple uh, a couple <laughs> because there are so many great interactions there, but I'm going to leave that be. i'm gonna, I'm gonna leave that late. but uh, i'm I really struggled because there's so many good ones. But I really liked the, where they took Billy this season. Instead of just being a jerk, bad guy, they really truly possessed him and made made him a bad guy. and he got to stretch you know, out as an actor. And I think he's a really great actor. I know he gets some grief for being in the power Rangers movie. And, uh, I know he, uh, you know, he's rocking the mullet and the stash in this, but, uh, Dacre Montgomery as, as Billy. And that is how you pronounce that. Jamie Dacre. It's like, a- okay. The D. Yeah. It's, uh, uh-huh. that was from his own mouth. It's Dacre Montgomery. Mm. And I think I chose that award just so I could share that knowledge. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Although I would have considered him a side character.
1: I don't well with what he uh, with what he had done. I mean, his his role was so central. No. In it, you know, bringing about the mindflayer, you know, zombifying half the town. You know, he he really, you know, being being the muse to Karen Wheeler. You know, he was just really I thought he he carried a lot of weight. <laughs>
0: Well, I, I had I mean I had trouble figuring out how how to categorize those and basically I decided if you were on season one and you're still around, you're probably a main character. Yeah, and I just <laughs> carried to <that laughs> season, season two on, two. you're probably a side character.
1: Oh, I don't know. I carried that to season two because Max is such a main
0: character. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so well, she Mac. joined the party though. Yeah. Uh, Max and Elle joined the party. And so they, they they got grandfathered in or something. I'm not sure what the terminology <laughs> is there. Um <laughs> I went with Hopper. I'm I'm going to be Captain Obvious. Uh, I love Hopper. Uh, he's such a likable and relatable guy. Um, I love that. Like from the moment he wakes up in the morning to when he goes to bed, he's in over his head and he's just doing his best. Uh, you know, he's trying to do right by all the people in his life, but like you know, he's just kind of fumbling along. Um, he always means well, even when he messes up. You know, he's always doing his best, and I just I love the guy and. So much goes wrong for him. He mm. handles everything the wrong way.
1: Exactly the wrong just, way.
0: Yeah, I just love the guy. Not with Harper.
2: Yeah. He does a You're great
0: Magnum PI impression, right? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: if he only had the shorts.
0: <laughs> no, we don't need that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with my main character, uh, I don't know if I... Um, I guess subscribe to Jamie's feelings about what delineates a main character from a side character. Um, So my best character as far as main character for this was Robin Buckley. I loved Robin um, because she was so central to the story and especially that foil for Steve, you know, in that, in that, in the, as there's the spies, you know, and, and she comes from a, a, you know, major acting family, you know, uh, Maya Hawk is the daughter of Ethan Hawk and Uma Thurman. So, uh, you know, I mean, she, she definitely ha- has some parentage there in terms of acting. And just the fact that she knows that, you know, Victor stone cyborg has Prometheum in his armor. You know, <laughs> she was cool with me. So I was like, bam.
0: Yeah. She's awesome. So. <laughs> yeah. She was the perfect foil for Steve. Yeah. I'll, and, and, and they had like just the, I mean, just relationship chemistry from the word go. I just, I love that she didn't, she wasn't impressed with King Steve working <laughs> <Yeah>. his boots <pizza laughs> the Yeah,
1: I love that she was keep, keeping uh, the loser tally board for him.
0: <laughs> yes, that's <great.
1: laughs> so good.
2: <laughs> well, think about it. If, if it wasn't for her character, they they wouldn't have figured out the Russian. Mm-hmm. You know, she was the reason they were able to figure out the code. And, and so I guess that's why I was thinking she was real central to the story. That's why yeah. I went main character with her. Very much so. Well, okay. We didn't set any rules. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, Jamie, you're well, next up. Uh, and this is uh, kind of shuffling uh, order of the awards. Normally we have our episode-specific awards at the end. But uh, this one is an episode-specific side characters.
0: These are supporting ones, and I feel like I know this is the wrong answer, but I just love this dude. I'm going with Murray.
2: Murray, <laughs> love Murray.
0: <laughs> love Murray, man. I love the the, the manic kind of wild energy he brings to every scene he's in. <laughs> I love the way he complicates every single person's life who comes in within his like orbit. <laughs> just, and his his relationship with Ah, oh, what's his name? Uh, Alexi. The, Alexi. The Russian guy. Yeah, Alexi. Alexi. Yeah, the the way they bond. It's just the whole thing. I'll, every scene Murray's in is gold. I just love him. It's yeah. great. I
1: love Murray. I love Murray. <laughs> uh, Sam, I'm going to jump in here now. Okay. And uh, thank you for choosing Maya Hawks Robin as uh, your character there, because that I had two that I couldn't decide from. But uh, my favorite supporting character, I'm going to go with Gabriel Pizzolo, who plays Susie Poo. <laughs> <laughs> Suzy Poo. Um, the build-up for her, just her little, her whole little exposure, she stole it. You know you have all of this stuff going on, and this bubbly bright young lady comes on the screen and just steals the show from the monster from the Russians from from you know from drunk Stephen Robin and just just owns it for like five six minutes. And then and then the show goes on, but she was such a little bright little piece of joy in this show.
0: Yeah. Uh, She has to be in season four. (laughs) She was so good in her little moment. Yep,
2: I agree completely.
1: And it is Susie with a Z,
2: by the way. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So best side character for me. So Jamie mentioned Murray. So I've got to go with his other half. And I raise a cherry slurpee. To the memory of Dr. <laughs> Alexi. Alexi, yeah. Um, I just think, you know, we saw all these headlines in the 80s about Russian defectors and all this kind of stuff. And they played up, they played that up with Alexi and him watching cartoons. And can we watch Looney Tunes now? You know, what I mean it's, it's just these little things. And the way that he interacted with Murray, um, and the way that in turn they frustrated Hopper made for just comedy goals. <laughs> so good. Right? So we, good. We, when They were discussing uh <laughs> the you know the tension between <laughs> you know <laughs> between Hopper um and see I am flaking now. So uh um, Joyce Hopper Joyce. It. thank you. Hopper and Joyce, you know, uh it was just so funny. Just they were laughing and just cracking they up at it? him. Yeah, it was just great. Uh and so he just played that 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 opposite. And I think the idea that Murray was so, you know, anti-everything and then he ends up befriending a Russian, you know, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, how he was anti-everything, but so in love with the Russians. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That was so cool. I just think that was cool. So yep, definitely Dr. Alexi.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe a great Smirno. award that we could have added on here would have been like best you know, pairing of characters, best character group. Yeah, you did
0: it so, anyway. So many. I did it anyway. <laughs> I, well, I got well, my I'll, <laughs>
2: I'll sneak in my other. I loved the Russian torturer.
0: He's <laughs> 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 was great. All right. Well, Sammy, you're first up on our next
2: award for best quote. All right. So I've done a lot of funny. So I picked a quote that I think was a little bit more serious and it really kind of hit home. And it was an interaction between wheel and, you know, Mike, the jerk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what did you think really that we weren't ever going to get girlfriends that we were just going to sit in my basement and play games for the rest of our lives. You know, that was that knife to the heart for wheel and i think that's just a powerful moment i think it's a powerful quote uh i think it's a scene that that a a lot of us maybe young nerds went through maybe at one point when your 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 group starts to break apart and things start to change right around high school probably is where you start seeing that shift um and just that that scene was really powerful and that like i said. Dwayne said it hitch in the feels. That one definitely hit me in the feels. So
0: And and that one made me really feel for Will because I mean think about the previous two seasons. Will hasn't got to live a normal life. He's not been he's not been able to have a normal childhood. Yeah. And so his emotional development and just maturity has been stunted. Yeah. And so he's not he's not where the rest of his friends are. That's right. really it's 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 hurting him, you know. it made, it made me feel for him even more.
2: And essentially, I mean, he's suffering from PTSD. And he just wants something stable and his group and, and even the f- later on when when he's upset and he says, where's Dustin? You don't even care where Dustin's at. You know, I mean, it's that idea that he just wants them to stay together because it's the only thing solid that he's got.
0: Yeah. You know, and, the, and so. then the scene where he breaks up for uh, Castle Byers. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's I mean, true. That yeah, that was tough. Powerful scene. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Yeah, that was some tough stuff. There was some tough stuff. Um, I'm going to go funny, and I'm going to go funny because so I'm going to cry if we don't. Um, when you have Robin and Steve drugged, and Robin's trying to explain the plot to Back to the Future to Steve. <laughs> Robin says, so, like, I was totally focused in there or anything, but I'm pretty sure that, that mom was trying to bang her son. <laughs> wait, wait. The hot chick was Alex P. Keaton's mom? Robin. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, Steve, but they're the same age, Robin. No, he went back in time, Steve. Then why is it called Back to the Future? Robin, he has to go back to the future because he's in the past. So the future is actually his present, which is his time, Steve. (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, the whole premise to Back to the Future, which is kind of confusing anyway, but you have, you know, these – drunk people trying to explain it to each other <laughs> and neither one of them seemed particularly intelligent you know <laughs> not at and that moment fact,
2: they didn't. At and that the moment. fact <laughs> that they refer to michael j fox as Alec Alec Petean. <laughs> Petean.
1: family ties baby
2: only people of a certain age will get that joke <laughs> family ties
1: baby yeah man
0: well, I, I've I had two down, and I don't want to make Dwayne cry, so I'm going to go with the funny one. <laughs> um, I I, I, had, I had pulled a line out from Hopper's letter, but I'm not going to read it in front of Dwayne. Oh, so, I'm um, t- so I'm going to go with the line at the very beginning of probably the middle of the very first episode, and it's when Dustin comes into Scoops Ahoy and does his Star Wars nerdy handshake <laughs> with Steve, and it just just explains the weirdest of all these people's lives. You know, Rob's looking at him and just baffled, just so how many children are you friends with? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, that was great.
0: But it's, oh, it's uh, a good line, but it also shows, like, these people haven't lived a normal life, you know? Yeah. yeah. King they're, they're, Steve they're should they're not they're be friends with, with nerdy Dustin. <laughs> but he is, because of what they've been through. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep
2: shared trauma I think that's what they refer to at some point in the uh, in the season they talk about shared trauma
0: so okay I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a, I'm gonna pull a Dwayne and sneak in another one. Uh, <laughs> I really I really wanted to bring up Eric explaining that they're playing boil down to child endangerment <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: so what's in this for me <laughs> Uh,
0: Child still, endangerment. dangerment.
1: <laughs> Smelling free ice cream. I'm talking for life.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I'll know about you all, but the USS butterscotch looks pretty good, Sam. So.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's really good. Oh. Well, our next award and last of this section is best use of nostalgia. Probably the thing that Stranger Things is most famous for. And Dwayne, you get the privilege of picking from a myriad of things.
1: Yeah, well, there's so much in this to uh, to talk about, and I'm not going to get into any of them. Uh, I know we talked a few about a few of them before we came on air. Uh, you know, nostalgia is you know brings back thoughts of home, brings back thoughts of your childhood. You know, I've never fought a monster, never been friends with you know people who own the ice cream shop, but I love the the mall, every aspect. Of the mall, and I, I talked about it earlier. You know, you have the food court. You know, where everybody would gather and hang out. You have all of the stores. Our mall, unfortunately, had a very small theater, and you weren't able to sneak around in to get from theater to theater. But uh, you know, I remember sneaking out of the theater into other stores and things uh, at times. But uh, yeah, just th- the whole aspect of the mall and what a large central gathering place it was for the community. You know, maybe even think about. Um, Dawn of the Dead, where you know the survivors wind up in the mall, but all of the zombies are going—you know—they're congregating in the mall parking lot, trying to get in. You know, so and and they're even wondering, you know, why are these people doing this? You know, they're like, well, it's something that's familiar, maybe something left over, but yeah, just a whole centrality of the mall to to a culture at that time.
2: Well, at our our mall, you couldn't sneak in, but you could get a G-rated ticket and then sneak into one of the other theaters to watch the R rated movie. Yeah, so. they didn't check theaters
1: at the, they didn't check tickets at the door when you went in. So you could buy a ticket going to any any movie that you wanted to, but you couldn't sneak. Like I know some theaters, you could, you know, buy a ticket and sneak from theater to theater all day.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The shady paths are coming out.
2: <laughs> well I never did it, but I had a few friends. You so.
0: <laughs> know nothing about that. <laughs> sure sure you did. All right. Uh, well, I'll go next uh, to break up the awkward silence there. Um, I'm going to go with the cabinet attack. Um, that felt like a scene from Evil Dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, the whole thing. And, 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 and I, I know it's kind of, it might be a little bit of a reach. I'm afraid it wasn't intentional. But with the, with the Evil Dead poster in Jonathan's room, I know mm-hmm. it's at least an influence on them. And so, I mean, even to Nancy firing the shotgun, she kind of looked like Ash. I can totally see her holding that shotgun there and yelling, "This is my boosted." <laughs> <It's my boomstick. laughs> uh, and even the way it was filmed, it kind of felt like Raimi had consulted for like a couple of days of shooting. All right. So I'm going to go with the the cabin attack from The Evil Dead is my best use of nostalgia. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. So I think that leaves me. So you know.
2: Since the beginning of time, there's this been eternal war between good and evil. The 80s provided us with instances of battle lines being drawn all over the place. But none more so than original Coke versus <laughs> new Coke. <laughs> 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 new Coke <yes. laughs> now, I fell squarely in the original Coke camp. So, uh, But I do remember that really well. The, even the style of that can, um, you know, when Lucas is drinking that, I remember those cans, <laughs> drinking that and going, I think I like the original. I like the old Coke better. Yeah, so, like yeah. But yeah, that's my nostalgia trip, is, is that, you know, the debate between original Coke versus new Coke. So <laughs> In a world
1: <laughs> where one Coke wasn't enough, Coca-Cola has created New
0: Coke. <laughs> I, I I love that Lucas is so comfortable in his own skin and so comfortable in and having and just being different in his opinions that he's willing to go on that long soli- soliloquy about how great new Coke is. Yeah. <laughs> God, <that laughs> they all think he's insane, you know, and he just keeps going about how it's sweeter and it's better. And just Yeah. Just I love that he's that kind of guy. I wasn't that kind of kid. I was terrified of what people thought of me.
2: And oh, he's yeah. just sitting there
0: all smug. I love me some new Coke guys. It's just great. (laughs) I loved it.
2: The the other thing that'd be nostalgic for me is the fireworks. I had a buddy that was obsessed with fireworks. Um, And I think he used M80s to blow up the majority of his GI Joe figures over the course of the years. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Lucas had a lot of great stuff this season. I think this was his best season. Yeah, Yeah, I agree with you.
1: Yeah, Lucas was cool. But... You know, we're speaking about nostalgia. We're speaking about things that, you know, mean a lot to us, things that bring back fond memories of our youth and childhood. You know, in our youth, we were introduced to a few characters. You know, Ted Theodore Logan, the guy from Speed, Neo, Keanu Reeves has to connect to this Stranger Things universe. To battle the Mind flare with his goodness and greatness. Jamie, where is Keanu found in Hawkins, Indiana?
0: Dustin would have been proud of that buildup. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, we complicated things here. So uh, the easy one is Winona Ryder. Um, she's been in a couple of fleets with Keanu. So, But we already did seasons one and two, and Winona was our connection that time, and so um, I am down the list. Um, that's a big cast in season three. Nobody but Winona has ever appeared on a screen with Keanu.
1: Oh, I was so <laughs> hoping it was Wesley. I,
0: there I, there was a couple of, like, I, I, I was hoping it was Smirnoff. I kind of wanted it to be him. I wanted it to be Murray. <laughs> there was, yeah. I mean, I was looking at Russian guards by the end of this thing. There was, I mean, none. Uh, but there is a crew member. On this show, his filmography uh, connects him to Keanu, but also makes him a really strange hire for Stranger Things. (laughs) He seems to have made his bones. Thank you for the chuckle. I appreciate that. (laughs) Uh, He he seems to have made his bones working on comedies. Most of his filmography are things like Night at the Museum, Fun with Dick and Jane, The Cat, The Hat, Galaxy Quest, The Ladies Man, Patch Adams, The Nutty Professor, Liar Liar. That's most of what this person has done. Recently, he's moved on to some action fare. He worked on Jumper and The Last Witch Hunter and Real Steel. Don't hold that against him. Uh, But it seems like Stranger Things was his first foray into horror. And nothing nothing in his previous filmography says it would have been a good idea. But (laughs) Dean Zimmerman worked as an editor on Stranger Things 3. But before that, he worked in the editorial department. On a movie that Dwayne hates, uh, called "A Walk in the Clouds," starring our beloved Keanu.
1: Yeah, I remember this movie.
0: And that is our Keanu connection.
1: <gasps> okay, we'll move on from there.
0: I <laughs> like <laughs> that movie. So, Sammy, you got you got the privilege of pulling something off. I think of off of everybody's draft board. So, tell us what you picked. All right. So, our next quest will be the Rocketeer um you know
2: we're looking at timothy dalton a young jennifer conley directed by joe johnston who also directed uh, captain america first avenger so it's very much this period piece it's a little bit of 40 serial with a little steampunk rolled in um and just you know it's been a long time since i've seen it so i'm really interested to see if it still holds up it's always held a place in my heart um so I think Dave Stevens' art in the comics was something that always kind of drew me. So the fact that they had this this movie, I loved it when I was younger. So I'm, so I'm excited, a little nervous maybe about revisiting it, but uh, I guess we'll get into that next week. <laughs> so.
1: As we prepare to blast into the stratosphere, Jamie, what are we going to do?
0: We're going to shave off our awkward 80 stashes and keep it nerdy.